Lord bless you here on our time of worship together. We are here to spread the love of God and to encourage all of you. We're going to preach the word in just a minute here. We've just had our worship time, and I hope that uh, you'll tune in and listen to that, and it'll bless you. But let's just bow our heads and thank God for the word. I'm going to give you another installment from 1 Kings chapter 17 about Elisha and uh, God's provision in crisis. So let's just bow our heads. Father, I thank you uh, that, Father, in this situation, you are working in your people, and you're drawing us close, and you're refining us, Lord. And so we thank you that even in crisis, Lord God, we find your provision, and we find your blessing and your peace. I pray, Lord God, as the word goes out this morning, Lord, that you would encourage all of us and that you'd strengthen our faith and that you would gather us close to you. I prayed in Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. So let me just recap a little bit here. We are in 1 Kings chapter 17. We're talking about Elisha. We've done three installments in this message series here about finding God's provision in times of crisis. And We've seen Elisha uh, whisked away. Why? Because he brought the word of the Lord to uh, evil king Ahab and his wife Jezebel. He had to flee. God puts him by a brook so that now he's sustained at the brook. Uh, he has water to drink. The ravens bring him food uh, twice a day. So God's taking care of him, but he's in crisis. We saw that shift from there to a prolonged crisis, and uh, things lasted for a longer season, so there was a season change, and he moves to find a widow in Zarephath. And we're going to recap just those two messages in just a second here, but understand that God's provision is there for us in crisis. And uh, we saw that there are five things that we must do in crisis, and they're must-dos. One, we have to learn to hear God's voice and then embrace change. Then we understand that obedience gives us access to the provision of God. We can't expect to have access to God's provision if we're not being obedient to the word of the Lord. Say amen. amen. So it's that obedience that gives us access. Then we said we needed to rely on God's faithfulness. We've learned to rely on a lot of things in our modern Western world, things that have been shaken now, some things that have crumbled now, uh, and, and say, well, what, what does that teach us? Well, there are some things we can rely on and some things we can't, but we need to rely on the faithfulness of our God. No matter what occurs, he takes care of us. And then I, I said in that message, the last point was that we had to remember that no season was permanent. Then Elisha showed us that we had to face three giants in a prolonged crisis, the giant of disappointment, the giant of lack, and the giant of fear. I trust that uh, these messages are helping you to get your balance and get your bearings, and that if you're dealing with disappointment or if you're dealing with lack or if you're dealing with fear, that you're facing those giants and that you're letting the Lord teach you how to fight and overcome. If you need to go back and listen to some of these messages, I encourage you to do that. Elisha's crisis continues. He uh, continues to model for us how God's people should behave in a prolonged crisis. And I want to just pick up here in verse 7 and recap just a little bit, and then we'll jump into our new material. It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. 
drink. As she was going to get it, he called and said to her, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as, your Lord, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, do not fear, go, do as you have said, but make a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which was spoken through Elijah. What a powerful situation here as we see things uh, you know, developing from a short-term crisis to a long-term crisis to a season change. And we see this widow here. Uh, she is the one who uh, is supposed to be God's provision for him. We said he left the, the brook and he left the ravens and he went on to this next phase. And I want you to see that there are three insights from this situation here in verses 13 through 16 that we see. And the first insight I want you to pay attention to is this, that in crisis, we always should keep God first. Amen? We always have to keep God first in our lives. You know, it's the distractions of this life and the distractions of this world all around us that get us to focus on everything but what's most important in life. And if there's anything we are learning now, it's what's important and what's not important. And we have to keep God first in our lives, especially in crisis, we have to keep God first. Now, you look at the text here in verse 13. He says, you know, go and do as you've said. He says, all right, lady, go make, you know, this little cake of bread that you're going to make for you and your son. But he says this, but make a little bread cake from it first and bring it to me. Afterwards, you may make one for yourself and your son. This is an interesting situation here as we're talking about keeping God first. You know, this woman had some choices to make. Here comes the prophet of God. She didn't invite him. She didn't ask him to come. God sent him. Now he hears that there's no bread. Remember, this is the, I call this lady NBL. She's the no bread lady. She has no bread. And so he, here's my provision, God, the no bread lady. And, 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 you know, she's just got a fistful of flour and a little bit of oil. So what does he say? Go make something for me to eat first, and then you can make something for you and your son. So it's an interesting situation here. If you pay attention to the text, it might sound like this guy, Elisha, has zero compassion. I mean, who invited you? I mean, think about how imposing that is that, you know, you only got a fistful of flour, well, serve me first. You know, and you might look at that and go, man, th this guy, he's got a lot of nerve and he's got no compassion. You know, the, the no bread lady, she, she's making her last meal and, you know, she's going to make this meal. She was just planning to eat it and then die. She was planning on not having any more. Now, he says, you make something for me first and then you can make it for you and your son. And what I want you to see here is this is not a pushy prophet. This is not a self-centered, selfish person. This is not just somebody who's religious being impolite to someone they don't see as significant. This was a test 
And here was the test. The test was that in the face of crisis, when things get tough, will we circle the wagons and will we think about our needs first and forget about God? Or will we keep God first in our life and keep the things of God first in our life and put ourselves secondary? That was the very real choice for this woman. Elijah could have said, well, you know, you guys eat first, and then if there's anything left over, you know, save a bite for me. But he didn't do it that way. He did it the opposite way. Why? Because we, we don't give God the leftovers. We don't give God the crumbs. We give God the first fruits. Come on, church. And this was the real choice for her that she had to make. It was a test for her. No, all of us could understand if the widow said, you know what, I'm sorry, Mr. Prophet, but I have to put my son first. I have to put my needs first. You know, if I'm gone and my son, and we could all understand feeling like that. In fact, who could have faulted her if that was her reaction? Yet, you know, she doesn't do that. We have to understand that this widow had to make a very real choice here uh, to, to put God first. And, to, and you say, well, how is she putting God first? She's putting the man of God first. This is the prophet of God that came to her. So he says, put me first before your own needs here. Now, we could see if she would have had a hard time with that. You know, I have to put my son first. I have to put me first. And I want to say this, that God blesses everyone who in hard times and in dire situation choose to keep trusting him. Choose to keep putting him first. Choose to keep serving and giving and loving and thinking about others more than themselves. You see, this is an opportunity for us. This is a test for us to see if we really have God first place in our lives or are we going to circle the wagon and think just about ourselves. People who can put God first and honor him above their own immediate interests, those are the people who fully understand that God is their source. You see, we say, well, God's my source. God's my provider. God takes good care of me. But do we really believe that? What proves that we believe that is that we're willing to put him first even in our lack. We're willing to put him first even when, you know, our our neck is on the line. When the rubber hits the road, do we really believe that God is our source? Hudson Taylor, he was an elder statesman, a missionary who... uh, did this incredible outreach to China. Kind of interesting that I'm using him as an illustration now as he ministered the gospel to the Chinese. Hudson Taylor was was an amazing man of God and he had complete trust in God. He served China and he laid his life down, literally laid his life down to bring the gospel to that place. And you know what? He believed in God's faithfulness to provide. And here's a famous excerpt from one of his journals. It says this, Uh, Hudson Taylor says, our heavenly father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. And he sustained 3 million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect that he will send 3 million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. Listen to this. He says, depend on it. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. Wow. What a testimony of faith. A man who laid his life down literally for the gospel to bring it to a faraway place. He understood the provision of God. 
He understood God would supply. He fed the Israelites for 40 years in the desert while they complained. He took good care of them. None of them went without food. He understood that God would provide his every need. Now understand something here. When God asks us to do things at our own peril, at our own expense, he responds by opening up the windows of heaven and supplying our every need. The widow was under a test. The widow had an opportunity to put God first and to see what God would do. Her response to this opportunity would determine her destiny. You know, she would have said, you know, I have nothing for you. I'm sorry. And she just closed her door to him. Do you know, we wouldn't be hearing about any more of her in the scripture here. God would have found another way, but she was willing. She was willing to put God first, and because of that, it changed the trajectory of her situation, and it changed the destiny of her life. She had a little bit left for one meal, but we're going to see that God did some incredible things for her because she was willing to put him first. Number two, the second insight I want to take from this text that can encourage us in the season of crisis is this. God provides for those who put him first. Now, the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. What does that mean? That God is good to people who don't put him first. God is good to people who don't believe in him. God is good to people who have bad attitudes. And even in this crisis, we see a lot of people with wrong attitudes. We even see it in leadership that, you know, leadership in our own state that has an attitude against the things of God, that, you know, we made this thing go away, not God. We don't need God. We don't need faith how that breaks the heart of God. Because you know what, he's here for us and he loves us and he's in control. Whether we like it or not, he's in control. Now God provides for those who put him first. Verse 14 uh, says, for thus says the Lord God of Israel. Look at that. The man of God comes to her, tells her, don't be afraid. And then he prophesies to her. He speaks the word of the Lord to this woman. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, neither shall the jar be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Look at that, exhausted and empty. A lot of people feel that way right now. And God speaks life into the situation by saying, put me first, trust in me, and I'll provide for you. Notice that God speaks to this woman. The word of the Lord comes directly to her. This is a a prophet who prophesies to entire nations, yet this woman has God's attention as she makes her choice. God promises, I'll provide for you. The word of the Lord comes to her in her darkest moment. Remember, she was ready to make her final meal and to eat it and to die with her son. In the darkness of that situation, God speaks to her and God promises to provide for her if she puts him first. Now, the Bible assures us all all throughout from cover to cover that we can never go wrong by putting our trust in God. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust in the Lord, amen? Psalm 9, 9 through 10, the Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Say amen. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You and I can never go wrong putting our trust in the Lord. We're never going to say, well, you know, I trusted God and he let me down. That never happens. What we commit to him, he keeps. When we trust him, he provides. 
you know, we talked about Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor had this complete trust in God, and he had this simplistic faith that if God, you know, puts you in this situation, he'll provide your need. God's work done God's way, always has God's supply. Why did he have that attitude? I'll tell you why. It was his willingness to answer the call of God in his life that allowed him to see the faithfulness of God with his own eyes. You see, when we're willing to do things God's way and we're willing to answer the call of God in our life, when we're willing to walk away from the world and live the word of God despite all the obstacles and all the opposition, when we do that, God steps up and he provides for us and we see God's provision with our own eyes. There was nothing that you and I could say to Hudson Taylor to discourage him. Why? Because God had already proven himself to Hudson Taylor. Understand, when you and I do what God's asked us to do, he's going to show up and he's going to keep his word and we're going to begin to have confidence in him that's unshakable. We need that kind of faith. We need a faith that says yes to God. We need a faith that steps out of the boat. Come on, Peter wasn't, you know, Peter was the the one disciple who constantly was saying things out of turn, putting his foot in his mouth. One time Jesus had to tell him, get behind me, Satan. But yet, listen, Peter was the only one to get out of the boat and walk on the water towards Jesus. We need that kind of faith. We need the type of faith that lets us hear God and allows us to see God do miracles and, and put everything that we believe to the test. Is your Christianity proven or is it just theory? Wow. God wants us to see his faithfulness, but we have to get in the boat and let him prove himself. I want to say something. Spectator Christianity is dead and empty Christianity spectator Christianity. Are you sitting on the bleachers? Are you watching how it'll turn out? Are you not wanting to get involved? Are you wanting to hold back? Listen, get get out of the bleachers, get out of the pews, and get into the battle because the battle is the Lord's. God wants his people to have faith, to trust in him, to, to put themselves at his mercy and to watch him do miracles. God provides for those who put him first. He always has and he always will. Don't be a spectator. Don't settle for spectator Christianity. Believe in him and watch what he'll do. God promises to provide in crisis. And Look at God's provision in this situation. You say, well, I can't figure out how God is going to provide for me. Well, that's not our job to figure it out. Those of us who have control issues or like to, you know, figure it out and and we don't want to use faith, we want to use, you know, math. Listen, sometimes God just does stuff that will blow our minds. It's It's beyond what we could have thought or beyond what we could have figured out. You say, why? Because look how he answers this woman's need. He doesn't answer it naturally. Yes, he gives her food, but he answers her need to feed her supernaturally. And that's what I want you to see. This is not natural provision in the sense where, well, you know, this makes sense. She went into the pantry and she found a whole bunch of flour that she forgot about. That's not what happened. It wasn't a natural provision. It was supernatural provision. God said, you know what? Th- that, that, that thing of flour you have, you might have a fistful left, but it's not gonna go empty. You know that thing of oil? Well, it's gonna stay full. And we see that God provides for her supernaturally. Now, think about it. Would you like stuff like that in your life, supernatural provision? I mean, say if God said, uh, your wallet will never run out of 20s. Hello? 
or your car will never run out of gas. Come on, now, now I feel, you know, now you're feeling Jesus out there, right? Now you get it. Your bank account will never go empty. All right, so this is supernatural provision. Uh, uh, you know, the bowl was never exhausted. The jar was never en- empty. Supernatural provision comes to those who keep God first. That's what I want to encourage you today. Verse 15, the latter half of verse 15 and verse 16 show that God totally keeps his promise to this woman. It says here, and she and he and her household, that's everybody involved in this miracle, ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted. The jar of oil did not become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. It was a miracle, miraculous provision. Why? Because she passed the test. She made the right choice. She put God first. And God always provides for those who put him first. The last insight I want to cover with you here today is this. Our actions, not our words, prove that we put God first. Our actions, not our words. You know, talk is cheap. It's easy to talk to talk. Anybody? And maybe you've heard people that were good talkers. They, you know, they, they knew the right words to say or they were convincing. But when push come to shove, you'd watch them come unglued and maybe they didn't have the faith or the integrity that they were projecting. And talk is cheap and it's easy to, you know, to know the right verse or to know the Christian cliche to say. But listen, it's not our words that prove that God is first in our life. It's our actions. The widow faced a hard choice. And she had to choose to believe the word of the Lord rather than her plan and, and just, you know, say, I don't have time for you, Mr. Prophet. I just got this left and, you know, I'm just going to trust in what I have in my hand. No, she had a choice to make. And I want to say something to you. Belief is a vital thing. What we believe is important. What you and I really believe about God will have a massive influence on the decisions we make in crisis. You're watching people right now struggling. Maybe people, you know, come a little bit unglued emotionally and, and, you know, proving who has a connection to God and who doesn't, who's religious and who has a relationship, amen? Religion won't save you in the thick of the battle. Religion won't save you in the midst of crisis, but a relationship with Jesus Christ will. And so belief is vital. It's an important thing. We must understand uh, that something we believe is going to affect our decision-making process. Do we really believe the word of God? Do we really believe it enough to bet our life on it? Wow, our beliefs are important. But understand something about belief as it relates to faith. Belief is the starting point of faith, not the finish line. I want you to hear that again. Belief is the starting point of faith, not the finish line. Belief is where we start. Well, we believe God, we believe his word, we believe in his promises, and that's where our faith journey begins. But it is not the finish line. Some people treat their experience and relationship to God as if faith is the finish line. Well, I believe, and that's good enough. But there's more to just believing. In fact, consider James 2, 18 and 19. It says this, but some of you may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and tremble. 
Think about that. He's saying you believe in the mystery of the Trinity. You believe in the three-in-one Godhead, and that's a good thing to believe, and it's theologically accurate. But you know who else believes it? The devils believe it. There's got to be something more than just belief. Belief has to go a step further. It's the starting point of our faith. It's not the finish line. The finish line of our faith is executing what we believe. Now, do you believe God when he speaks? Do you believe the word of God when you hear it? Do you accept the truth of, of, of what God says and then put it into action? Many people, uh, you know, they hear what God says and they spring right into action. But then there are other people who they don't do what God says and they get lost in the details. Maybe, you know, some of us at some time have been there. You know, we hear something and we don't put it into practice into our life. We know we should, but we don't and we get lost in the details. Either we spring into action and we release our faith or we get lost in the sauce. Uh, during the Civil War, General Stonewall Jackson's famous valley campaign, Jackson's army found itself on the wrong side of a river. Now picture him, he's a leader, he's got an entire massive army, and they're on the wrong side of a river and they need to cross it. So Jackson tells his engineers to draw plans to build a bridge so that his army can cross the river. But Jackson also told his wagon master that it was urgent that the wagon train cross the river as soon as possible. Now while the engineers went to draw up their plans in their tents, the wagon master went out and he gathered all the logs, all the rocks, and all the fence rails he could find, and he built a bridge. Long before daylight, the wagon master walked into the general's tent and informed him that all the wagons and all the artillery had safely crossed the river. Jackson said, well, where are the engineers? He said, they're still in their tents drawing up plans. Some people get things done. Some people spring right into action. Some people get right to it and make it happen. And other people get lost in the details. What kind of faith do you have today? Our actions, not our words, prove that God is first in our lives. God is looking for people who will get out of the bleachers, who will get off the sidelines, who will get into the battle, who will stand on faith, who will believe the word of the Lord, who will put it right into practice. Look what this woman does. It says what? She hears the word of the Lord, and it says in verse 15, so she went and did. Stop right there. Did you hear that? She went and did. She sprung into action. She went and did according to the word of Elijah. What a powerful thing we see here in this woman's life. She springs into action. And that's what I want to encourage you today. If you're, if you're treading water, if you're waffling, if you're, if you're unsure about things, get into the word of God. Get along with him. Remember, we talked about learning to hear his voice. When we hear him speak, we accept what he says. God is speaking to his people, and he's encouraging us that we can trust him that he's going to provide for us. Maybe you're facing giants today. You know, maybe you're dealing with fear or you're dealing with lack. And, you know, at first, you, you, maybe you were running on spiritual adrenaline, but now you're wearing down a little bit. God understands all this. You say, well, what is this all about? I mean, I think about today getting up and you know, coming here to, to record this message. And I look out the window in the morning and what is on the ground? Snow. I'm like, Lord, what's next? Locusts, 
frogs, lice. I mean, what, what, I mean, snow to me is like, it, it, that, that should have been one of the plagues in Egypt. Snow, I, I, I don't want to see snow, but you almost have to laugh at these things. Why? Because you know what? What's going on around us is not important. What's going on inside us is important. That we can look and we can look at, you know, things that would knock us down or things that would depress us and we could just let them roll off and say, you know what? The battle is the Lord's. My God will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. Come on today. I want to encourage you. This is a time for us to really dig into our faith and to hold our ground, to spring into action when God speaks, to learn to trust him and to realize that we've got to keep him first in everything we do. God bless those of you who are spending time in the word daily, who are spending time praying, who are holding on to your faith, that even when we don't understand, we know, you know what, things might be tough, but God is good and we can trust him. Uh, God bless those of you who put him first, and, and I, I want you to know something. He'll provide. You say, well, how is this all going to turn out? I don't know all the details, but I know this. My God shall provide all my needs, amen. He will provide the needs for my house, for your house, for this house. You say, well, how's it all going to work out? Not in the natural, in the supernatural, because he does the supernatural. Some of us are gonna get checks, we're gonna get uh, job opportunities, we're gonna get streams of revenue that we didn't see coming. I mean, you, you say, well, pastor, I don't know if I believe that. Well, believe the word of the Lord, amen. He does miracles for those who put him first. This woman's life proves it in a lot of ways. Now, I'm not saying you're gonna have a wallet that never runs out of 20s and a car that never runs out of gas and that mystically, magically, all your bills will be paid, but God will work it out for you if you trust him. I can guarantee you that. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you today for reminding us that we can put you first and expect for you to come through for us every time. I thank you for reminding us today that you know what, it's our actions and not our words that prove that we've put you first. So help us, Lord, to continue to seek you every day, to pray and to spend time in your presence, to believe your word, to continue to serve and to love and to give and to work on our relationships, Lord God, and to be encouragement to those around us that are, that are just hurting right now. There's so many people who are hurting and confused and maybe dealing with lack and disappointment. God, help us to be light and life and encouragement to those people. Use us. We thank you, Lord God. I want to encourage you today. I hope that this word lights a fire in you and maybe encourages you to be the arms and feet of Jesus to someone. Even in social distancing, we can make a call. We can send a text. We, we could just let somebody know we were praying for them. What an encouragement it would be for someone who was hurting to know that someone else was calling their name before the throne of grace. I encourage you today to continue to watch these messages and to love one another. Continue to give. You can go to the link on the website. Thank you for all of you who have been faithful to the church. We've been able to sustain our ministry and to bring messages to you. Uh, when this is all over, what a time of rejoicing we're going to have. Pray for our leaders who have tough decisions to make. Leadership is not easy. No matter what you do, someone's going to disagree, but I pray that our leaders will have the mind of God and that God's word and God's people would uh, honor uh, God at this time and just allow God to work what he does in our lives. God bless you. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon and uh, please stay on fgcweb.org and, and listen to these messages and share them with other people so that they can be encouraged as well. God bless you.